1: Two seasons ago, Jonathan India took the baseball world by storm as the Red Sparrow charged his way onto the Reds roster and became baseball's rookie of the year. Last season, India started with a lot of expectations placed on him in the hopes of avoiding a sophomore slump. Today, we are going to look back on that sophomore season and discuss what's ahead for Jonathan India. All that and more on today's Locked on Reds. Let's go.
2: You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Steven Offenbaker. We are lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans that have turned an addiction into this team into information for you. Thank you so much for joining us on the Locked On Reds podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thanks for making us your first listen. We are free and available on all platforms, and we're going to be daily all the way through the winter meetings. We've got lots and lots of great content for you here this off. Season as the Reds try to figure out what they're going to be next year. On today's podcast, though, we are going to be talking about a key member of that team for next season, and he is Jonathan India. Coming into last year, his expectations were pretty much that he was like one of the faces of the franchise, and he kind of had a rough year. And that rough year has borne some questions that we will explore on today's podcast. But Steve, the place that we will begin is with his performance in 2022, because coming into the year, the expectations on the rookie of the year really couldn't be any higher, but they were quickly missed when, uh, he messed up that hammy in April. Oh yeah. April 14th, uh, pretty much
1: derailed his season. And I don't think people really fully understood. And I think some of the blame for this falls on the reds. I think a lot of the blame for this falls on the reds medical staff in that, you know, they really minimize what was going on. And, and I, yeah. I mean to tell you anytime a player gets a hamstring injury, uh, that's a hard road to recover from because it's so easy to re injure it and that's exactly what Jonathan India did he hurt that thing running full speed ahead on April 14th in a game versus LA and uh, from then it was kind of all downhill
2: yeah and I know that I think at the time you texted me and I was just like don't you bring that evil on this house but you were like "Mm, Griffey It was like, oh, no, 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 no. But it was very reminiscent of that. It was a lot of, hey, it looked like if you watch that replay, he looked fine. It was just the way he stepped on the base. He was running full stride as hard as he could. And in order to hit the base, he had to shorten that final step. And his just his hammy didn't like that. And that was the beginning of the just injury filled season, for which is so funny to say, he still ended up playing like 90 games, but I don't think anybody would dispute that injuries plagued him for the entire year.
1: No. And you know, the thing with hamstrings and the thing with your legs in baseball so much is dependent on your, your wheels. You know, your defense is dependent on your ability to shift back and forth and make quick reactions and move Uh, offensively swinging the bat. It's all in the legs. I mean, you got to get your arms through, but it's all in the hips. It's all in the legs. And once, once you, you injure that leg, it forces a player to change the way they do everything. Uh, They have to basically learn a whole new way to be a major league baseball player on the fly. And that's why you don't see very many players have success at doing that. I I think where the Reds really went wrong is they didn't shut India down for a significant period of time. Just complete rest right when this thing happened until he was 100 percent. I'm sure India played a part in that. I'm sure he was lobbying every day to get back in the lineup but sometimes you have to protect these players from themselves. And the Reds failed to do that with this injury.
2: Well, and we've said it too, is, you know, this team seems to be very team friendly. That's one of the things that people always say about David Bell. He's a great players manager. The players love playing for him. And I think part of that is probably like, you know, what's your take on this, Jonathan? How are you feeling? How are you doing today? And things like that. And I think they might've taken that too much into account because you can see, like, I... I went back, and and, you know MLB.com has the Film Room website, and I decided to go back and watch some of the hits that he had before his injury and compare them to afterward. And something that I noticed in his swing is he's got this quick hip rotation that is right before he swings his arms, right before he gets the bat through the zone. I think part of that is so that he can continue to recognize what pitch is coming, and he can adjust his swing accordingly. I think a lot of hitters probably do this. But – When you see him get the power, when you see him drive the ball, that's how it worked. But then after the injury, and after he came back off of the injured list, you know, the first time, obviously, he was here for like a day. And then he was on the injured list for much longer, and he came back in June, you saw that he had to do it almost at the same time. He was rotating everything at the same time, made everything look a little bit slower. And unless it was a meatball in the middle of the zone, he just wasn't driving it. He wasn't getting that power up until about the month of July. And it threw off his whole timing.
1: Well, and you know, and that's exactly, you know, what I'm, what I'm saying is that that injury really derailed any chance he had To to elevate his game. I I mean, you know, I give him credit for fighting his way back later in the season and and raising his numbers a little bit, although he never was truly great. But, you know, he he was, you know, uh, 10 percent below league average playing with 50 percent of his legs. So I think that's (laughs) I think that that's a testament to his work ethic. Uh, I mean, you know, he really was trying to get it together. uh, But I think the Reds, I think really the Reds failed in this situation to, to get him healthy, keep him healthy and put him in the best uh, position to succeed.
2: Yeah. And I think we saw glimpses of the expectations we had for him. If you can put together, and this is a little bit of a wonky time frame, but bear with me before the time, before the hamstring injury on April 14th. And if you combine that with the month of July, when he was just raking, you put those two things together, he had a 291 batting average in 36 games. He had 40 hits in 36 games. Pretty solid stretch for him. He slugged 467. He only had five homers, but just overall, the body of work was a very complete hitter and a guy at the top of the lineup that you could rely in. And then the rest of the season, even still, at the top of the lineup, he was still reliable in what you wanted him to do. So I, I think that part of the season you can still look and see you know from a certain angle from a certain point of view he was still all right and I think that there's no reason that we shouldn't be excited about him next year no and and interesting the way you stitched that together
1: with the April (laughs) stats and July no I mean it makes sense in as much as those were probably the only periods of the year where he was probably 95% healthy. I mean, we don't quite know what the leg situation was in July. I imagine there were some minor lingering effects, but he was pretty healthy. So that was post hamstring pre compartment syndrome injury at the field of dreams game. So that was probably the only statistical set where he was as close to being healthy as we could reasonably expect him to be.
2: Did anyone ever Google compartment syndrome in the city of Cincinnati before the Field of Dreams game?
1: Probably not, but I bet everybody's an expert on it now. Everybody's an expert (laughs) on, you know, Bengals fans are experts on ACLs right now and abdominal uh, surgery post appendectomy. So, you know, (laughs) Dr. Google makes geniuses out there every time somebody gets hurt. But
2: I tell you, like... (sighs) I wanted him to come back healthy from that, but honestly, we said it at the time, whenever he was having those extended problems, and they still brought him back fairly soon after that injury, where he couldn't fly with the compartment, he had to drive back from Iowa, which that's a long drive, I took a NyQuil whenever I came back, I once drove to South Dakota, and... On the way back, when we stopped in Des Moines for gas, I'm like, I'm getting a NyQuil. I'll see you guys in Cincinnati because it was just so long. So I, I, I feel for him driving from Iowa to Cincinnati. But when you look at what he did the rest of the year, it was admirable to the point of he's a gamer. He just played hurt. He wasn't going to take no for an answer. He was going to try and fight to the end of the season. But the numbers show a guy that just didn't finish strong, and, and I hated that for him.
1: No, and I was I was screaming in our, our text chat, shut him <laughs> down. He, he should have been shut down. Oh, and there man. were several players like this. And I think, you know, maybe in a year where the injury situation for the Reds as a whole hadn't been just so God awful, <laughs> uh, the Reds might have shut him down. But, you know, at that point of the year. If they had shut down India, if they had shut down a couple of the other guys we were saying shut down, I I really, truly feel like you may have got yourself a 30-day contract with the Reds. Just you're at the ballpark enough, they see you in the stands, they would have given (laughs) you a jersey and told you to play third base.
2: Yeah, that's going to be one of our, our hopes and our thoughts and our feelings for next year is that the Reds just don't at some point have an entire starting lineup and starting rotation and a couple of relievers on the injured list because that's what it felt like for much of the year last year. And India was no exception. I mean, his expectations were missed almost immediately, and it was all just because of injury, even though he did what he could to fight through it. Well, India's defense
1: was dreadful all year and injured or not. And some people have said, maybe even me, that it might be time to move him to another position. Uh, we're going to talk about what that could look like coming up next. But before we talk about India's defense, uh, I want to talk to you about Simply Safe because the numbers don't lie. In the last decade over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe Home Security to protect their home. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. Uh, we know this because uh, you know I have used the product, Jeff uses this product in his home right now. They protect you with cutting-edge security technology powered by 24/7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. Here's why we love it. It's super customizable. Uh, It's not a situation where you have to purchase things you don't need in order to get certain things that you want. The system integrates well into your home and is easy to self-install. No need to have a tech come out and schedule something uh, so that you have a window where you have to be home or have a, a bulky unit that damages your walls or damages your house or messes up. The design you have implemented uh, within your space. Uh, you can move it even after you install it. The elements are easy to remove and you can take them with you if you move to new digs. You can customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafecom locked on MLB. Uh, you're going to save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. All you got to do is visit simplysafe.com/lockedonmlb to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, coming up tomorrow, we have another Aloha Friday edition of the podcast, and it's another live show. That's right. We are going to be live on YouTube this Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern time. We're going to be sharing with you some of our thoughts on the Reds getting some additional pitching help for the bullpen and maybe even a starter or two. And we are going to take your questions. And as always, that third segment is going to be driven by you. We're going to talk about all of the things within reason that you want to discuss. All right, Jeff, let's get back into this Jonathan India conversation. And we've talked about the injuries and how that really impacted everything. And it did impact his defense as well. Although he never Really was a stellar defensive right. second baseman, uh, but you know, if you take somebody starting down here low rating and you break their wheels, they're obviously going to play even worse. Uh, but you know, there's some clamoring in the world that says, you know, should India move to another spot?
2: I tell you what, Steve, I think I think we'll we'll, we'll talk about that here in just a minute because I think it bears kind of fleshing out a little bit what are we talking about when we say that India was not good defensively because a lot of what we know from fielding just is the eye test what we see there were plenty of plays where it just felt like India didn't have it India wasn't getting to it India could have had it and just kind of botched it up a little bit but there's also some numbers that back that up too now fielding stats are a little bit different and and some of them are a little bit uh uh, you hairy and a little bit hard to explain but the the easiest ones for me to kind of figure out is defensive wins above replacement defensive run saved and outs above average that's kind of where i stop at steve i'm not we're not going to get into you know ultimate zone rating and and other stuff so <laughs> let's you know, look I have, at- I have a couple quick thoughts before you dig through these yeah, numbers yeah, yeah, one
1: yeah. one uh yeah the defensive metrics who they're they're hard to find a good one that uh that really paints the picture. And and the other thought that I was having over here smirking while you were talking is how funny it is the thought of you and I sitting in the stands at Great American ballpark with our beer and fry box going, we could have got to that ball. (laughs) Yeah, that's about it's about the sum of it. uh, Because that's exactly how it went when you and I were at a game with our beer and our fry box going, we could have got to that ball.
2: Anyway, little buffalo sauce down, tell us, down here yeah yeah tell us uh, about the defensive <laughs> metrics yeah because when, when you look at jonathan india i think it's important to at least have some frame of reference so when you look at Major league second baseman who played at least 700 innings. So they got a decent amount of playing time. Jonathan India actually did not play the minimum to be a qualified fielder or anything like that. So you kind of had to change this out a little bit on fan graphs, but 700 innings. That's still a lot of baseball. Steve, it's still way more than either you or I played at second base. He was dead last in defensive run saved. He was third to last in defensive war which was minus 5.8, almost negative six wins above replacement defensively. And he was tied for last and outs above average at negative nine. His defensive runs saved were negative 15. So he was 15 runs saved below replacement level, Not, not good replacement level. He was awful statistically at second base this year. And I hate saying that.
1: And it's, it's difficult, you know, like we've said, it's, it's hard to, to find a defensive metric, a defensive number that really will paint an accurate picture of, of how a guy ranks in the league. Uh, but when you combine it with what you said right up top, which is a lot of us use the eye test, a lot of us can watch a play and be like, mm, I think he probably should have got that. Mm, I think he probably should have made that throw. Mm, I think he was in the wrong spot. I think uh, when you combine those two things, when you put some kind of number with it and you combine it with that eye test where all of us listen, you know, you don't have to have a business card that says baseball expert on it to have watched enough baseball to know when something's not quite right. And right. I think that's one of the things that makes our listeners so special is they're, they're heavily invested in the game of baseball and and they know bad when they see it, just like they know good when they see it. And and Jonathan's defense,
2: uh, you know, he has a lot of great qualities, his defense, not really one of them. No. And It felt like at least during his rookie season, there were some plays, right? Like there was some interesting things that he did. And you're like, boy, that was kind of interesting. I I don't remember anything like that last year. I don't remember saying, boy, that was a great play by India or something like that. I think he was the true uh, meaning to, yeah, if we're not talking about you, that means that you did well. and. I think that we're kind of spoiled with second base. I mean, you're talking about Barry Larkin and, and even Pokey Reese, even further back on the defense that those guys played at second base. India is nowhere near those guys, but we just kind of want him to be average. Like like his rookie season, he was average. He was replacement level in all of these categories except for outs above average. He was below average in that in that. Uh, Stat category, but it just got so much worse. And it's like you said, whenever you take a dude who's, whose ceiling is already kind of low and you lop off one of his wheels, he's, he's, he's going to get worse.
1: Well, the, the defensive moments of shining star that you're talking about, I think that's where the injury comes into the play. Mm-hmm. Uh, in his rookie season when he was healthy, uh, there were moments where he would do something and you would think, okay, you know, he has room to grow into this position. Uh, I think the injury took that away. Uh, It kept him from making uh, those occasional uh, gold glove type, you know, plays at second right. base and just to say barehanded hand throw you know sure. stuff like that yeah and just to save you from having to read through the tons of comments <laughs> you're gonna get I know that you meant Joe Morgan at second base and not Barry Larkin at second base uh, so did everybody's yeah you did so everybody can just save their comments and I'm well, in mean, Brandon why you, I, Phillips, I know why so yeah, yeah. I, I know why you <laughs> did that but it's it's okay so you know the Reds yeah. do have a long history of some good defense over there at that position going all the way back to the big red machine so yeah uh, so yeah you know we're, we're spoiled with a lot of things in cincinnati and and
2: defense at second base has my been mind. one of them my mind it's just all over the place i'm i i because I, I feel for it i feel for this discussion about jonathan india because a year ago it was elementary a year ago it was written in stone this is our dude leadoff hitter second baseman boom we're done end of discussion however things that we saw this last year have brought not necessarily the leadoff part, but the second base part into the forefront. And is this something that we should just continue to pencil in? Because the numbers say that he's not a good, not a good second baseman. It just, it, that's what they say. It, it,
1: it's true. Uh, in the current situation, Jonathan India, at least defensively, may be more of a liability than a strength.
2: I have to agree with you, Steve. So, what's to be done? Does he become a full-time DH at the age of 26? We'll tell you what should happen coming up in this next coming season just in here in a moment. But first want to make sure that, you know, you can follow us on Twitter in between shows. You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three Fs. You can follow Steve at S Offenbaker with two Fs. And you can follow the show at Locked On Reds. Plus you can follow us right here on the YouTube. If this is your first time watching us, make sure that you hit the follow button and the bell to get notified whenever we've got new content for you. Like Steve mentioned just a moment ago, we're going to be live tomorrow for an Aloha Friday where you get to be the driver. You get to ask us some questions and stuff. So uh, make sure that you're following us because we're going to be here throughout the off season and all the way up to pitchers and catchers reporting and beyond. But you know, Steve, as we talk about this off season and, and things that, maybe the reds should explore maybe uh there should be some plans in the works we we've already asked this do you move jonathan india and where do you play him and then if you're moving him who plays second well i think it's
1: gives the reds a unique ability to solve a few problems we talked about this yesterday with a decision on Tyler Stevenson. And once they make that decision, it makes it easier for them to make other decisions. So let's, let's Mm -hmm. just assume they've made a decision on Tyler Stevenson heading into the 2023 baseball season. I think the next decision they've got to make is what to do with India. For me, Mm -hmm. uh, the reds outfield right now is very, very thin, uh, Yes. If we take it the way it's constructed today, Aristides Aquino is still a major part of this outfield. Uh, we've got it. the we've got the the YouTube dubbed F Troop as the remainder of the outfield in Fraley, well friedel and fairchild uh taking significant at bats out there which that may not necessarily be bad but a couple of those guys are clearly platoon guys so you're gonna need more right-handed bats out there i think the easy fix is to move jonathan india into a corner outfield spot and and let him get reps out there and here's Here's the key to this. You do that now. You do that heading into spring training so that by the time 2024 rolls around and we're just flush with great defensive middle infielders, India's already learned his new position. He'll be proficient in the outfield. He'll, be, he'll have the reads down. He'll be able to contribute. We keep that bat in the lineup and allow that, that shuffle that we talked about with the designated hitter position. No, you don't make India a full-time designated hitter at age 26. They need to use the designated hitter as the off day, air quotes yeah. included, to to shuffle guys through and keep bats in the lineup that you want to keep in the lineup, but still allow guys to rest a little bit. It's the perfect solution, but it has to involve India moving elsewhere, creating a spot on the infield for somebody else, and allowing that dynamic to develop.
2: See the thing with this that I wonder, and, and I've been, I mean, we've talked about it whenever we mentioned his poor performance in the field is that the injury, like I still kind of want to see him healthy and see if he can play second base. And then also you look at this and you say, what is the effect going to be on his overall game? Is he just going to move to left field and remain the same hitter remain the same personality? Like, is this going to affect his confidence as a dude and, and I know that overall it's it's hard to say that and you can't really predict that but is this going to be something that just kind of messes with the game because I feel like this is the same conversation we had with Nick Zell when he was coming up and we've had with other guys where it's just like they're you know a player without a position a bat without a spot in the field and is that going to hurt him? So, so here's the thing, Jeff, uh, and here's why it's different than Nick Senzel.
1: The organization 100% absolutely jerked Nick Senzel around. We all can agree that he could have been handled a whole lot better than he was. With Jonathan India, and here's why it's different, uh, they're going to have to find a spot in the lineup for him because beginning a year from now, when we're talking about 2024, Jonathan India is not going to be anywhere near the best defensive second baseman on this roster. There are guys coming that play so much better on the infield than even a healthy 100% Jonathan India played. I'm looking at Matt McClain. Matt McClain is a defensive wizard. Ellie De La Cruz is coming and plays much better defense on the infield than Jonathan India. Noel V. Marte plays much better defense on the infield than Jonathan India. I mean, hell, Jose Barrero can't hit, but he plays better defense on the infield than Jonathan India. India. There are a lot of guys with a whole lot better leather than Jonathan India. Jonathan India, for the good of the team, for the good of his career, and to get some wins, needs to make a move to a new position.
2: Okay, so we do this. Jonathan India, he's the left fielder now. Uh, second base? Who's on second base? No, 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 wait. No, who's on first? What's on second? <laughs> oh, my goodness.
1: So it creates some interesting questions because – you and I have off air. We haven't got to the, the on air portion of this, but we've been wondering what exactly they're going to do with Mike Moustakis. Are they going to eat that contract? Are they going to try and find a way to justify keeping him on the roster for a period of time in the hopes that he can show he can hit righties as a designated hitter, and then maybe flip him for a bucket of baseballs. I think that's what the Reds are hoping for a way to keep him around long enough to maybe trade him for at least half of the contract, something, to, to recover some of that money. So this allows them to do that. I think you have to keep Moustakas around for just a minute when you make this move and maybe you play him defensively at second base. Maybe you play him defensively at third base and you start shuffling the dominoes. I think uh, a quick, easy answer outside of that is you put Spencer steer at second base every day until one of the other prospects comes up and takes it away from him and Mm -hmm. forces steer back into either the utility role or over to another position.
2: I do find it interesting that as he was coming up, Spencer Steer played a little bit of time at corner outfield. I don't necessarily know that it was enough to say that, yes, we could stick him in the corner outfield, but no, no, I tend to agree with you. I think that of the guys that are still on this roster, I think you're probably talking about Spencer Steer at second base because, you know, we're not going to see guys. I fully believe like Matt Reynolds is probably going to be a non-tender candidate because he's, you know, under team control, but the Reds have a lot of guys they got to pull up, and this will be an episode that we have here in the next couple of weeks is what do the reds do with this roster ahead of the rule five draft they've got a lot of guys they need to protect so with that that still opens up the door for a roster spot for mr mike moustakis and i think that in a perfect world the reds would be able to just sign him a check and send him on his way i firmly believe that they tried all their best to trade him this past trade deadline and nobody was interested and i can't really blame him he's had a lot of injury problems and when he was healthy over these last couple of years he hadn't been hitting very well he's he's done a lot of you know pop outs strikeouts just not good no, stuff. no you you have as much trade value as mike moustakis <laughs> yeah yeah I, I and they're not getting anything from me so i think that overall you're right they almost have to kind of go into this hand of poker with a couple of twos and Mike Mustakas and just hope that they hit and they're able to trade him for something anything like i mean literally player to be named later anything i mean they got a player to be named later for Tommy Pham can they do that for Mike Mustakas probably except Tommy Pham played a little bit better than Mike Mustakas did he just had a you know experience. i i think i think it's as a good It's good that we're
1: having this conversation now, and we're going to continue to have this conversation, Jeff, because... What we're going to have to bear in mind, what we're going to have to remember and not freak out about when the 2023 baseball season gets underway is what we see on opening day. What we see the first few weeks, the first month even, is not going to be anywhere near what this team looks like by the end of the season. There's going to be a lot of moving parts all season long as they try guys out, as they experiment, as they bring prospects up. People are going to be moving. They're going to be shifting. You know, we're talking about a ban to the shift. And yeah, we're going to ban the shift, but there's still going to be a whole lot of shifting in Cincinnati because guys are going to be asked to do things they haven't had to do before. They're going to be asked to play places they haven't played before. And I think the Reds are going to go all in on creating that uh, interchangeable parts lineup where, you know, there are everyday players, but they're not everyday starters at a certain position.
2: Yeah, I, I definitely think that you're right there. And we're talking about a team that last year played almost 69 different players. Uh, don't think that you would have had me guess anywhere near that number on opening day. Who knows how many players they're going to play this year? Probably not going to be that many, at least oh, I, I kind of hope. Because if it is, that means another 100 lost season. I mean, playing more players does not mean that you're doing better. That means that you're searching for anything and everything. I think we'll see less players play this year, but I, I'm with you. I think that we're going to see, and Nick Kroll said as much on his kind of like, you know, season exit interview. He was just like, you know, we, we do not have, we do not have spots right now. Like guys are not penciled in right now. Like they think they might be. And I think that you're right. I think that we're going to see a lot of movement and Jonathan India could be one of those guys that moves. Absolutely. There's
1: going to be a lot of moving parts. There's going to be a lot of shifting around. And you and I are going to have that covered all season long. And we're going to be talking about it all off season. And that is probably a good spot to wrap it up for today, Jeff. Uh, that's going to do it for this edition of locked on reds coming up tomorrow again we have a live aloha friday for you make sure you are right here on youtube uh, so that you can uh, give us questions and comments in the comment section as you are in the driver's seat for a large portion of the show thanks for making locked on reds your first listen now Uh, for your next listen check out the locked on sports today podcast they have the biggest stories of the day plus instant reactions big game recaps and the take of the day i bet they're going to be talking about that combined no-no in the world series that just went down as we record locked on sports today is just like locked on reds it's available on the odyssey app youtube and wherever you get your podcasts all right jeff there are a lot of questions to be answered as we uh move through the off season with the cincinnati reds what can the people expect from me and you
2: They can expect us to be honed in on everything that the Reds are doing this off season, any and all reports out of the Reds front office, down by the river and this off season, make sure to tell your friends to check out locked on Reds because we will have your Reds fix every single day because we are a locked on Reds every single day.
0: Hey prime members.